Hello again, everybody. Welcome into the 615 Preps Podcast. We're back after quite a long hiatus due to the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Chris Brooks along with Scott Burton, and our guest for this episode of Coaches in Q is Kit Hartsfield, the head coach of the Blackman Blaze. Coach, thanks for stopping by with us. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, excited to be here. Yeah, this is an edition of Coaches in Q, so naturally we've got some barbecue involved. We're over here at Big Bobby's Barbecue, not very far from the campus of Blackman, so pretty nice little local joint here. Scott, you and I are going to have some barbecue after we're done, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the great thing about uh, doing the show is I get to do the pre-scouting. <laughs> <laughs> I was out here last I was out here last Saturday, so uh, we're at uh, 2805 Old Fort Parkway right. in, uh, in Murfreesboro, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Yep. Uh, excellent barbecue, uh, Detroit style, which I've never heard of, but uh, I will tell you, it's definitely delicious. So he's already had it. I'm going to have my first real taste of it in a little while, and uh, I know Coach is probably going to have some at some point too. So, Oh, no doubt. You know, they just moved in over here uh, literally six days before the pandemic. Uh, you know, everything got shut down, and so they, they're just getting back rolling. Well, without further ado, this is Scott Burton's segment. So, Scott, take off. Okay. Well, Coach, um, you know, Chris brought up uh, the the, uh, the uh, COVID-19 uh, precautions and all things like that. So, we better off just uh, diving straight in. What kind of activities are you doing to uh, address that, uh, the illness, with your with your kids? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been a long three months, I guess, uh, leading up into this point and you know, nobody really had any answers. It was kind of like the everything just stopped, and almost the entire world was felt like shut down. And it was just a wild, wild time, and still is. And uh, you know, we're excited to be back at it. Uh, you know, we got several guidelines that we have to follow. Uh, you know, we're very grateful to kind of be able to get some things rolling. Uh, our school board's done a great job of easing us back into some normalcy and uh trying to get back to leading to a season played on time we hope and uh you know we've got several several guidelines uh but you know each kid gets screened uh you know those five or six questions before they're allowed to enter the facility uh to be at practice and you know they go through that screening uh you know if if they have the wrong answer for any of those you know they they've got to go home and um, you know, we've got to maintain the social dis- distancing. Uh, you know, that's still an emphasis. And we started the first week uh, of June with uh, groups of 10 or less. Um, so that went well. You know, you have to adjust and uh, be creative with, with how you do some drills and things like that just to make sure, you know, we're doing the right thing and being safe and all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, that you know, that's been good. And then – you know, about midway through this week, we kind of got lifted to uh, 25 in a group, but you still had to maintain the distance. So that, that helped us some um, as well. So we're just kind of easing back into it and, you know, sanitizing, you know, when they enter the door, uh, cleaning equipment, literally between usage uh, of kids. So we've tried to limit as much equipment as possible that we even touch. But there's a lot of things you can do football-wise and, the kids now that they would do just about anything just to be back out there playing and be with their brothers and their teammates and just to be active, um, you know, has really kind of gave a new appreciation for, for everything. Oh, certainly, certainly. Well, how did you communicate with your kids when they weren't permitted back into school? 
Yeah, you know, it was uh, it was tough. You know, I have over 100 kids. Uh, you know, we have uh, forms of communication through some apps and stuff on cell phones and send out messages and uh, just kind of text with some guys here and there. Uh, you know, just kind of check in, see how they're doing, things like that. Uh, send them some workouts they can do and ideas of things they can do. Uh, you know, everybody has different resources uh with what they can do some have gyms in their garage uh one thing that i think was uh, positive for us is our zone is really tight it's not a very broad area of school zone it's a highly populated area so some guys got together on their own and their teammates garage and uh you could really tell it when they got back, the guys who, who had been working, and it was nice. You know, you don't see them for three months, and then you see them again. You uh, see some growth spurts in there uh, that you don't really recognize as it's going on a day-to-day basis, you know, right in front of you. And that was nice to see, you know. It was nice to see, and it probably helped some of them be able to sit at home, some of my skilled guys, and put on some weight. Well, it's good. A lot be. like myself. <laughs> I think we I think we all fought that yeah. uh, just a little <laughs> bit. Um, what has anyone looked to you? You know, your kids or their parents looked to you for assurances or guidance in resuming the activities. Um, yeah, you know, uh, with, with the guidelines had uh, you know when they were released, you know, four or five days before, maybe a week in advance of summer to begin because that's one thing i thought our county did better than the rest was they didn't release everything too early and then have to change it right Right. before they waited till we had the most information we possibly could uh to make decisions and guidelines and things like that so you know i thought that was great because i know some other places had released what they were doing in uh april and things like that and it's day-to-day nobody seems to really know exactly how this thing's going to turn day in, day out. And uh, it seems like the information and data is, that's coming out is uh, look, looking good uh, as far as how it's affecting people and what people it's affecting. So, you know, some parents, you know, asked a few questions. Uh, not an overwhelming amount. I think everybody's kept up with this thing enough, uh, considering there's nothing else on, uh, to be pretty well informed. Right. So, uh, is you got to take that also back and and you're dealing with these kids and and you have to worry concerned about your own family and and making sure that you're doing everything because you're not only are you having a responsibility for your your team your kids your coaches staff but also uh for you you find that being a, a you know just a difficult uh trying to juggle all that yeah i mean you know being a stay-at-home dad for the first time itself was was a change you know i wasn't in stay-at-home dad shape when this first started and it, I, I had to get adjusted quickly my daughter stopped taking naps immediately and i was on a full day schedule so uh, you know she's three and uh, oh, wow. obviously had to you know at first when people didn't know a lot was, was you know extremely careful uh and my wife is uh eight months pregnant as well so wow. you know i still don't know who's everybody that's high risk and and who's not but uh just kind of being common sense uh you know i'm not my family's not really living in the fear fear world uh, we're just being being cautious and using common sense and you know trying to live life and enjoy the extra time uh, we've had together it's probably a time we'll never have again uh, 
As a coach's life, at least. Right, right. And it's an unfortunate thing, but you, you seem to find kind of the, the silver lining between uh, around that particular cloud. Yeah, you know, it would have been easy to uh, complain and gripe and about having to be at home and uh, being bored and nothing to do. Uh, but, you know, I, I certainly got more time with my family than in three months than I have in the past ten years, it feels like, probably. Wow. And uh, being with my daughter every day uh it's just something that you know it's, it's been a time i would have never gotten uh, so just making the most of the situation certainly wish that none of this had happened you know a lot sure. of people was effective in a negative way uh it's just like i tell my kids how you how you respond to it and try to be the light and be it respond in a positive way well we'll move on from that let's let's talk a little bit about uh about your your background uh, you played at Riverdale, is that correct? Yes, sir. Played under Gary Rankin. Yeah, uh, you know I'm originally from Lawrence County. Uh, my sister was coaching basketball at Riverdale uh, straight out of college, and uh, me and my mom moved to Murfreesboro going into my junior year of high school. Um, so played for Coach Rankin. I moved up here. Uh, you know, I was a quarterback and a safety at Lawrence County, and uh, I knew I wasn't going to play college quarterback. Uh, you know, when I moved to Riverdale, I was immediately a fullback and a linebacker. And first day, you know, Rankin was showing me how to get in a three-point stance. Uh, you know, and I just so many, so many memories uh, from those times and just unbelievable athletes uh, that those teams had. You know, I went from the best player to one of the worst or one of the worst starters, no question. And, uh, you know, I still moved on to play college. That tells you how much talent was on those teams. Well, I, I was going to say, I think you're 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 slow playing yourself just a little bit. I mean, <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I looked you. at the number of tackles that you had and uh, co MVP, and uh, I think well, uh, that's what they, uh, at least on my research, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, you racked up quite a bit of quite a bit of uh, tackles there. At, yeah, yeah, you know, two thousand four was my first year playing the position, and that was. You know, arguably one of the most talented teams in the state ever. You know, the Riverdale alumni. In all this, a lot of groups have created ways to communicate with each other that we used to play with and things and on social media. And, uh, you know, a lot of good arguments on which Riverdale team was the best from 94 to 97, 2001, 2004, and 04. The, being my first year and starting after a few games uh, – that there was no question who was the worst player on the field in a Riverdale jersey. Now, you're t- them stats you rattled off are from senior year when I figured it out a little bit. Uh, well, so and, and now and now you face off against Riverdale, you know, every year. Yeah, you know, I faced uh, the first time I was at Riverdale. I was coaching at uh, at Oakland, and uh, I think it was a jamboree game. I, I'm, I'm not sure. It may not have been, but it was very weird the first time walking over and hearing their band play and i've got on an oakland shirt and i'm trying to stop from doing the tomahawk chop you know all at the same time and beat them you know you ever find yourself am i on the right sideline uh, so you know it's been gosh it's i've been coaching 10 years now so i've been out of high school a lot longer than i want to think uh so i'm, I'm pretty used to it now but uh you know a lot of definitely a lot of great memories and great people in uh in that organization uh, you talk about 
the area and the talent that Riverdale had. Rutherford County itself just has an amazing amount of talent. What is it about Rutherford County? What's so special about this area that makes football so good? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's a you know Nashville is a place of destination now from across the country, and uh, you know, being right outside of Nashville, uh, you know, athletic families. Uh, you know, we're on the internet researching, looking up great athletic programs, and they're bringing their kids here in elementary school and middle school for jobs and all those opportunities that this area provides now. And it's such a great place to live. Um, you know, that, you know, obviously they build new schools every three or four years, and, uh, you know, the talent is still high, and every school's got some really good players. Uh, it's just kind of spreading out slowly, uh, you know, whereas when I was at Riverdale, it was just Riverdale, uh, Oakland, Siegel was just open, and Blackman, I think, was uh, open right before that. So it kind of started to spread out a little bit, but population's growing, and uh, people are moving here, and they move here for athletic purposes a lot of times as well. So I think that's got a lot to do with it. Okay, well, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, your career at Austin P. Just to, just briefly, uh, you played linebacker there. Uh, yeah, again, you know, just up the road a little bit. Um, you, how how did uh, how that come about? I mean, uh, tell yeah. me a little bit about uh, that program. Yeah, you know, it. I went to Austin P. because it was one of my two offers, and the other one was to play fullback, and they were going to let me play linebacker, so it was a pretty easy decision. Uh, you know, Coach McDaniel handled recruiting at Riverdale at that time, and Coach White was my linebacker coach, and credit to a lot of guys that helped me get there. And, uh, you know, it's a great program. They were on their first year back on scholarship in my senior class. Uh, so they recruited Middle Tennessee heavily, had a lot of teammates from Ravenwood and Brentwood Academy and Oak Ridge and people I'd played against in scrimmages or on Friday nights. And uh, that was really neat to, you know, join forces and become teammates with them and, you know, I believe our second year we went seven and four and got second in the conference. Uh, Would have won it, but Rogers Cromarty, uh, a guy who played for TSU and still playing in the NFL, I, I guess 33, 34 years old, still going, blocked the extra point in overtime and beat us. And he didn't even dive; he just ran right. I mean, he was so fast <laughs> it wasn't even. It was very discouraging, and uh, you know we were right there, and they had an NFL player. At TSU, I mean, a first-round pick and took it right away from us. But oh, uh, met a lot of great people and connections, and it's helped me get to where I am today. Well, good stuff so far. Let's take a break real quick. We'll come right back with Blackman coach Kit Hartsfield. This is the 615 Preps Podcast, Coaches and Q Edition. We're back after this. Welcome back to the 615 Preps Podcast, Coaches and Q Edition with the Blackman head coach Kit Hartsfield. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a pretty – Wild time with all with all the coronavirus stuff. But what did your kids? What did you get out of not having spring practice? I mean, you know, what did you have to? How did you have to adapt to not? Yeah, the, yeah. It was, uh, man. It was, it was a place we had never been before. You know, uh, not getting the, the spring ball. Uh, and there's a lot of places that don't get it. Uh, so at first, it was kind of like a, a panic, uh, almost like. You know, we're going to be so far behind and 
this and that. But when you thought about everybody being in the same boat and a lot of other places that don't have spring ball, uh, you know, it kind of made you not feel as bad about it. But, you know, it's very important in the development of athletes, and college coaches have made that very clear when it comes to evaluating players in the South. If you notice uh, Division One uh, rankings and signees and NFL prospects, a lot of them are from the South, and a lot of states in the South have spring ball. Uh, and with early early signing day and things sped up, uh, that extra development uh, is huge for the kids. Coaches get to come recruit and watch them in person. Uh, now this senior class has been stripped of that. Uh, you know, they've been stripped of summer camps, being able to prove themselves. Um, so, you know, the college evaluation and the individual development as a player and, you know, competing and toughness, teams are usually pretty physical in the spring because you – got a really good chance uh you know you got a good break for recovery if there's a injury uh you know there's always a few and now it's going to be you know you're going to turn it loose in july right before the season and take a chance on losing somebody because we don't always get to plug and play uh you know like like some of those colleges get to do so uh you know it's it's been definitely a an experience but our kids have handled it well and uh, I don't think we're – I mean, we're way behind, but it's not as much of a, of a panic as, as I thought I would be in right now. And your schedule's not lacking for competition, especially when you look at the first two games on the road at Alcoa, at Ravenwood, right out of the gate. Yeah, you know, sp- spring practice or not, it's not going to be an easy road. Uh, you know, we got to be in midseason form from day one. And, uh, you know, we certainly could have used that time. Uh, we lost – a lot of really good players. Uh, you know, defensively, I think we return uh, three. We return three DBs, one D lineman, and one linebacker. Uh, so four or five guys, and we lost uh, lost a Mr. Football finalist at linebacker. Uh, I think we returned three linemen and our quarterback on offense. So we really needed that time to compete and scrimmage and get some live reps for some guys because there's no tune-up games on our schedule, like you just said. And, I think, uh, you know, Alcoa returns a lot of starters coming off another state championship. Uh, Ravenwood was just playing in the state championship. They lost a lot, but I've seen their JV, and they played some juniors, so I expect them to be right back in the mix. So uh, we gotta, we got we to gotta get on the ball and get ready, no doubt. There's been some talk about maybe having some 7-on-7 seven seven stuff. Have you heard anything about that? Uh, not yet, you know. We're just staying as scheduled. We had a couple scheduled for July. Um, you know, we're we're planning on everything being ready to go after dead period July the sixth. Uh, you know, that's what we're hoping. There's been rumors early on that the season may be pushed back and things like that. I don't know what two weeks is going to do uh, for the coronavirus. Really, um, I don't know if, if what a year would do. Quite honestly, so. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't have a clue. Uh, but we're getting ready for July 6th, and anything scheduled after that, we plan on happening on that day until we're told otherwise. I know a lot was made about whether or not to have the dead period this year. What did you think about were you in favor of not having it or having it? How did you think about that? Oh, gosh. You know, it, I was on both sides. You know, it from an athletic standpoint, it would definitely – uh, makes sense to build on what we've done for three weeks just from physical conditioning and lift lifting weights aspect because when you take two weeks off the you're starting over unless they do stuff on their own and you go back to the lack of resources uh 
in that manner. Uh, but, you know, we wouldn't have done anything mandatory. Uh, I tell our parents, you know, when they're freshmen, the next four years, this is when you go on vacation. And that's when I go on vacation, too. Um, so, you know, you certainly wouldn't punish anybody for that or ask anybody to cancel their plans and, you know, try to get their money back and all that stuff. But it would have been nice to uh, make it available. Honestly, when I was asked, I don't even remember what I said. But now that I look at it, after getting to actually practice with our kids and see, you know, how tight their legs are after a week or two and they're going to be in shape by next week uh, in better shape, not where they would be if we'd not uh, stopped everything. But uh, it's going to be pretty much restarting. You know, it's been different every state. You know, I think we – our state voted 6-6, and I think Oklahoma voted 14-0 to to lift that period. So, you know, I know they're probably concerned about coaches abusing the system and things like that. But, you know, I don't know anybody in Rutherford County that would ask people to cancel vacations and do all that just to come get a few more days of football. So, I understand both sides. So, I I don't really – I'm not upset. Offensively, you've got uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the in the area coming back, and Drew Beam. Uh, talk about his development and what what this time is going to be like for him getting ready for senior year. Yeah, you know that's definitely one spot that uh, we're comfortable with having having a quarterback back. Uh, you know, it, it makes things a lot easier uh, just from his game experience and playing in big games and. Uh, you know, multi-sport athlete pitching in big games. So, you know, he'll be ready for the moment, uh, you know, for that first game. And there will be some guys that uh, will be thrown to the fire. So having his leadership back and, you know, the the kids being able to trust in him and uh, be able to – he'll be able to use that and kind of boost some of their – some of the other guys' confidence. Uh, you know, physically, he's get, he's put on some muscle. You know, he's put on 10 or 15 pounds of muscle – uh, I've seen him throw lately, and I thought he had a live arm last year. Now I think he has a really live arm. Um, and he goes to baseball after football, and then he goes to baseball again and comes to football at 6.15 to lift before practice, and that's just the type of kid that he is. So, uh, you know, I, he's one that will uh, that'll be missed when, when he's gone just from a human being, character standpoint, and obviously athletically. Uh, he gives it everything he's got. Well, let's talk a little bit about your, your program. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about the culture that you've built at Blackman since you've been there? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, we believe in the brotherhood, playing for one another, uh, eliminating all selfishness uh, from the program. Uh, you know, this day and age, I just feel like that's something that has to be emphasized. Uh, you know, it's very important to a team's chemistry and success and you know, when they trust in their coaches and their teammates uh, more than what they may hear at the dinner table about why they're not doing this or why so-and-so's getting to do this and or play ahead of them or whatever, um, they, uh, you know, they've really bought into that. Uh, you know, it started with last year's uh, – last year's senior group really took it to the next level. Uh, you know, and it's carried over and helped in moments of adversity when bad things happen. Uh you know, and then that's how you want them to respond and handle the situations and, you know, be able to not turn on each other and just keep fighting. You know, that's the memories you're going to make. Uh, you know, you want to win that last game. Uh, only one team gets to. But uh, whenever you give it your all and uh, for each other, you know, you can lay your pillow down at night or lay your head on your pillow at night and 
go to sleep with uh, no regrets. Um, you know, and the next thing we talk about the most is just uh, uh, competitive nature, you know, relentless, being a relentless competitor. Uh, you know, I, I preach that and I've scheduled that way. And, uh, you know, the kids have really bought into that. And, you know, when you compete and, you know, iron sharpens iron, and that's kind of the mentality that, that our kids uh, take to the field every day. Well, you talked about uh, iron sharpening iron, and, and you talked a little bit about uh, how tough you like to schedule. What do you think that does for your program? Well, let me back up. When you when you were uh, had taken those two losses against those two powerhouse teams, Alcoa and uh, and such, Ravenwood, uh, Ravenwood, yep. yeah, thank you. Um, how did your kids respond, and how and how did you address that? Yeah, uh, you know it was tough because we had Alcoa on the ropes, you know, going into half and gave up a kick return, and then we came out with two running backs with sprained ankles, and we were running the ball well in the second quarter. quarter kind of get they were getting a little bit tired and uh you know Malone got hurt and uh yeah. Keontae Newsom got hurt and it kind of changed the game plan a little bit and they had the momentum at the kick return as well and they were able to uh get up uh you know a nine points I believe late in the fourth uh you know it's a little bit too much to overcome um and you know that from an injury standpoint, you never know when they're going to get hurt. And going into Ravenwood, we lost 16-13, to 13, and they scored on the first play of the game. Uh, we were a little shorthanded, but I don't I don't think it's because of the physicality of the Alcoa game. I mean, it was a yeah. physical game. I mean, it, it probably had some wear and tear on our body. Both teams had kids getting carried to the locker room and carried to the bus. And, I mean, it was just an unbelievable sight uh, it, to see. It was a tremendous game. We actually covered it. I actually – covered that game that was our game of the week and yeah I was there and it was an amazing game to watch yeah but you know those losses uh you know that we had to look at each other and see if we really believed in what we talk about and do on a daily basis with our actions and uh you know we, we didn't get on our feet back on our feet immediately you know we we played uh coffee county right after that who were more talented then and played well uh but we were still still not quite recovered uh from a physical standpoint and uh got boat raced by independence you know probably the fourth or fifth best team on our schedule but really good still i think they made it to the second round uh, and lost to ravenwood uh, so they were no slouch by any means but uh you know after that game uh you know we just had to get to fall break and uh try to get healthy and regroup and you know, the kids believed in one another, and they knew where we could get to. They saw the measuring stick of playing uh, Oakland, Riverdale, Alco, and Ravenwood the first half of the season. They knew they had the talent to get there and have a chance in those games. And, you know, they responded and rebounded and, uh, you know, was able to gut out a tough uh, second-round game at Hendersonville, who was a much improved over the season. It's always uh, nerve-wracking going to Hendersonville in the playoffs. Just a great program and job they do. Uh, you know, get back to the quarters, which, you know, we hadn't been to the quarterfinals since the Z-Plan, uh, you know, and with uh, Master Teague. Uh, you know, so I, I, I liked that playoff system, not speaking just from a competitive standpoint, but just playing different people and things like that. Uh, you know, I think Oakland and Riverdale had to play in the second round, you know, and that 
that ain't something that any of us are really a fan <laughs> of. But uh, so it was good, you know. So they they believed in one another, and it that, that adversity and that they faced helped get to get them back to that moment in the third round. Yeah, when you consider that region and, and having to go east in the six A playoffs, you know, it's just a minefield, I guess, when you have Oakland and Riverdale and Hendersonville, and and then if you get out of that, there's Maryville. Oh, no doubt. You know, whenever you get out of it, there's the beast in the east, and uh, nothing's changed from their standpoint. You hear every year they they may drop a little, and George Coral's left, and so far I haven't seen any drop-off whatsoever, and that's not going to change. Coach Hunt does an unbelievable job uh, over there. So, you know, when you play our teams again, in the second and third round, you know, anything can happen. And typically if you mix it up a little bit, the the better team will usually win. So those rivalry games and repeats are, are tough because it just creates another edge that whoever lost the first time may have. Now you mentioned playing Oakland before fall break. You're at, you're at Oakland the week before fall break. But before then you've got the entire month of September at home. How much of that – is going to help, you know, after those first two weeks. Is that what I got coming up? I believe so. It's uh, Coffee County, Independence, Warren County, Riverdale, all at home. Yeah, you know, uh, I'd say the best thing about it is it's going to be hot, so our concession sales will be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, playing at home early because of the heat, because people are uh, thirsty and hungry, and uh, they need they got to get uh, get all their food and water and all that so our sales are way up into at those times probably but, uh, probably better for water more than southern hot chocolate in november <laughs> yeah exactly. no doubt no doubt uh but yeah so we're at alcoa on a saturday we're at ravenwood so yeah it'll be great to be at home after those two uh, no doubt because they're going to be big time battles uh and being able to come back to that home field advantage uh will definitely be uh it'll be good timing well we talked about the success of your program. I'll look a little introspectively for you. Given all your success, what makes you the most proud? I, I mean, it, it's an easy question to answer is our kids. You know, when they leave Blackman, I mean, they're going to do great things. I mean, we have kids on our team that are way smarter than I've ever been or ever will be. Uh, you know, they're moving on to college, getting degrees, or they're going – you know, getting electrician, technical, any th- any type of jobs like that. They're going out and working and making an impact and making a life for themselves. And, uh, you know, we have a very high percentage that, that does that. And, you know, we have some super bright kids, uh, very intelligent that, uh, you know, 30 ACT type kids. You know, right now we've got, uh, you know, John Hartman's and guys like that that are getting Ivy League offers and Todd Larks and O'Brien Jacksons. And, you know, they've their parents have done a great job and they're uh, well-prepared and put together. And, you know, seeing seeing some guys come back and talk to them. And, you know, I've got a, a former safety that, you know, was on the emergency response team in Cookville during the tornado. And, uh, you know, guys that went about five years ago that are about – finishing college but it's taking five or six years because they're going to be doctors and you know physical therapists and uh they're just a lot smarter than i was they're gonna make a lot of money uh one day (laughs) a lot more than me here in another year or so so uh just seeing them be successful and kind of get their life going has been a been a blessing 
Well, about time to take a break. Uh, we're here at Big Bobby's Barbecue in Murfreesboro, and we'll be right back with Kid Hartsfield of the Blackman Blaze after this. This is the 615 Preps Podcast, Coaches and Q Edition. Welcome back to the 615 Preps Podcast, the Coaches and Q Edition. Here from Big Bobby's Barbecue at 2805 Old Fort Parkway in Murfreesboro, we've got Blackman Blaze head coach Kit Hartsfield with us. And in this segment, we're going to switch it up a little bit, Scott. Uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you lead us back in? Okay, very good. Uh, coach, just uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, high school football in general. Um, what are you seeing as the, aside from the obvious coronavirus uh, issues, what do you see as the, as the crucial topics right now in uh, high school football? Uh, I, would, I would say uh, until the pandemic it was uh, just the head injuries, you know, the concussions. Um, you know, it's been really popular over the uh, past 10 years, really, it's just picked up steam. And the NFL has uh, done a great job of kind of leading the way to uh, kind of teach things differently. And they started, uh, you know, I believe it's the Heads Up program um, mm-hmm. and leading that. And, uh, you know, the Titans, uh, Josh Corey does a great job communicating with uh, the high school coaches. Uh, you know, and just having a relationship with us and uh, just giving parents the correct information and accurate information, uh, you know, medically uh, and that they're being taught properly and uh, that it's not as uh, bad of a risk as, as they may think because, you know, it's easy to read a headline and or see a tweet or uh, something that causes a fear that may not be uh, as necessary and, you know, the coaches are doing a great job across the state, you know, all of our state organizations from TWSAA safety guidelines, uh, you know, with acclimation periods and things like that. And uh, I believe it's the TNFCA uh, group, uh, you know, has a lot of high school coaches, a member of that, that get together and kind of lead and uh, help make decisions and communicate with TWSAA and things like that. So, uh heat guidelines and everything so lots of safety precautions are being taken from the nfl all the way down um because you know the sport was it's under attack it's really been under attack uh for a while now and uh you know parents just don't don't trust it when you know their baby has to go run into somebody uh you know on a consistent basis and uh, there's a lot of way more positives that come out of playing a team sport and specifically football than uh, than not playing uh, as they move on with their life and how it prepares them. So, uh, you know, I, I would say that's been the biggest concern, but uh, there's been tons of research and data and things put together to uh, to prove otherwise. Yeah, it's, it, a, a lot has changed uh, really since the days of me playing in Georgia when we wore leather helmets back then. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, it, it, it kind of, I think, to what you're saying, I don't think that the game has gotten more dangerous. We're, we're taking more steps, but the kids are also more athletically gifted than, you know, back when I was playing or yeah. even maybe back when you were playing. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of human nature to position your body in a way that you don't think it's going to be hurt. And, uh, you know, Pete Carroll at the, for the Seahawks uh, – Defensive staff started a series of uh, tackling and led with the hawk tackle, and it's back to the rugby tackle. And uh, that's what 
we teach now, and uh, that's not what I was taught even in 2004. Uh, and it's actually more successful, and it's safer. Uh, you know, and the main thing is just teaching the proper technique and, uh, you know, the practice limits from hours to how much contact you can have now and things like that is it's all the right steps to allow us to keep playing the game. Uh, a lot of people don't don't like it, and the NFL is – very, very protective in certain situations and certain positions. But, uh, you know, if they had, didn't make those changes, then then it probably could have eventually come to an end. You know, people still joke about making, you know, being flag football in another 10 years. But uh, I think they've made the, the right changes to uh, not head anymore, anymore down that road. Yeah. Well, let's transition out of that into some our five fun question lightning round then. And uh, there are no wrong answers here. It's Uh-oh. just a <laughs> just a little fun thing, you know, at the end. So, uh, first one up. Uh, this is a softball question. Other than football, what sport would you most like to coach? What sport would I most like to coach other than football? I'm pretty active. I, I've got to say basketball. Uh, being from a basketball family uh, and playing uh, high school basketball, and it's in the air conditioning. I mean, <laughs> you can't beat that. You show up to the gym, you just got to get some chairs out, and everything's ready. <laughs> you know, no, it's not that simple. Uh, you know, Coach Workman at Blackman, he he makes it a is a little more to it than that. But uh, I would say basketball, just mm-hmm. such a fast paced game, and you can change a lot of things and be have an impact on it. Spoken like a man who has spent many a many a day out in the sun. You can't beat the AC coaching in the AC every day. I mean, it's unbelievable. Okay, okay. The second question is: uh, In the spirit of sheltering place, what show or shows would you recommend for binge watching? Oh my, there's not a show I haven't seen. You know, during the pandemic, uh, I would say. Uh, Adults only, not that they're that bad, just some language issues for a lot of shows sure. on Netflix. But, uh, you know, I liked Ozark. Uh, I'm a big animal guy. I liked Tiger King, but it was unbearable at some times. <laughs> so maybe not a great recommendation. But, uh, you know, I don't I don't know what I, what I haven't watched. But as of late, you know, Last Kingdom, uh, you know, Vikings-type show, but – I think I've seen them all at this point now. I, I, I was beginning to wonder because some some people that miss sports so bad are actually watching, like the floral shows where they have competitions or the cooking shows yeah. where they have competitions. Guilty. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I haven't watched any cable TV. I watched the news for two weeks in March and stopped, and you know yeah. a little bit lately. And uh, yeah. you know, news is about the only thing that's on. No sports. You know, but yeah. the the Michael Jordan thing is. You know, 10 episodes, and that was just remarkable for anybody, you know, 30 and up would appreciate that. Right. I like that for the young kids. I told my team, I sent out some messages to make sure they watched it just to see. Because I love LeBron and those guys, and they're good, but they just don't understand the competitive nature from them Bulls teams. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite football film or book? Oh, man. Uh favorite football film you know that the one that sticks out the most is definitely remember the titans uh you know it actually had meaning to it uh you know it wasn't just a a football show uh, but there's been a lot of good football shows um 
you know, the, the longest yard with Adam Sandler, I thought was a good show uh, a long time ago. Now I watch it and see how far Hollywood's actually came in such a short time. But, uh, you know, I, I would say that that yeah. film's up there in uh, Urban Meyer's book, uh, that he, Above the Line. Mm-hmm. Uh, he put it out after the national championship season in 2014. And, uh, a lot of good stuff in that book, as far as leadership goes. What's uh, uh, this? Is, this doesn't count as a question. It's just a follow-up question for somebody in the know. I'm not making the rules here. Okay. So you go ahead. Uh, <laughs> what is it? What's something that Hollywood or people uh, in general get wrong about coaching high school that you always see in a, in a football movie, but you know they don't? Oh get? man, yeah. I, just one thing. <laughs> fully uh, understanding that Eric Taylor is probably going to be brought up at this point from Friday Night Lights. Uh, <laughs> You know the the All Americans, the newest one, and I, I I like it a lot. Uh, you know, it's got too much drama in it and things. But from the coaching standpoint, uh, there's always a scene about a booster holding the coach against the wall and all that, and it's a little extreme. Um, but I'd say the biggest example, <laughs> the pregame speeches. Nobody gives that good of pregame speeches all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no way. Oh, well. Okay. All right. So, the last one. I, and I struggled with this one. I'm, we could have gotten a fight over the pineapple on pizza thing. But uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? No. No, not a chance. <laughs> I get a hot dog about every day from lunch from this uh, gas station down the road. And uh, it's killing me. But I go in to just get a snack, and I walk by the, the hot dog sitting there rolling on the warmer and (laughs) there's ain't nothing you can do about it man it's it's tough you know it's tough but no it's definitely not a sandwich in my opinion go ahead ask the question you know you want to the the pizza yep yep okay i'm Uh sorry bonus question pineapple on pizza yes or no never thank you never (laughs) it's a pizza it's it's you don't put fruit and vegetables on pizza i don't understand it there you go (laughs) you know just the other day i had uh been informed there was a white cheese pizza and you know you just got to go with cheese pepperoni or meat lovers and you know any other way is no longer a pizza i'm of the opinion that you don't want to make the italians mad and if you start messing with pizza too much oh yeah, yeah. They, you know well, they're gonna take it away <laughs> no you've seen the godfather right yeah, yes i have okay good point point taken point taken well that's all the time we've got coach Really appreciate you sitting down with us here at Big Bobby's Barbecue, 2805 Old Fort Parkway, Murfreesboro. Uh, I've enjoyed it. It's been a blast. It's been a blast. Thank you, guys. You know, you can just – June feels like Christmas, and it's never really felt like Christmas before, but being back together with the team and getting ready to play football and doing something like this just lets me know we're headed in the right direction. Well, hopefully Absolutely. when we get to August, we're going to be talking about actual games and, and not just – practice and absolutely and all sorts of conditions it's time it is time well thank you guys for what you do and uh, you know uh promoting the kids and programs and uh we really appreciate it thank you all for listening hope you enjoyed it uh, join us next time on the 615 preps podcast who knows where we'll be next but we'll announce it very soon so be safe and we will talk to you soon thanks a lot Six One Five Preps Podcast is a production of B Squared Media LLC.